0: It's time to start rallying around America's young conservatives and explore what it means to be a young Republican in the 21st century in a world where it seems like everyone under 30 must be a liberal. These are the stories you haven't heard before from the voices of America's young conservatives. So let's find out what it truly means to be raised right. Hey everybody and welcome to episode four of the Raised Right Podcast. This week I got to sit down and chat with one of my good friends, Jonathan Copel, who is a man from Louisiana that reached out to me when I was going through all of my cancel culture and lawsuit events to come and be on his podcast called Logic and Common Sense. He's a really big truth seeker, raised in a Christian household, just a really fantastic guy. So I knew I had to get him on this show when it launched to come in and share his story and his experiences with being a young conservative. And he's also a teacher. So he has a lot of really key insights as to what's going on in the education system right now, not only with COVID, but new legislation that's being introduced to several states. And um, his interview is really, really powerful and shows a lot of of truth as to what's going on in our country. So ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Coppola. Jonathan, why don't you just tell me a little bit about you, who you are, and just a a basic background story.
1: Yeah, so I'm Jonathan. I'm from Louisiana. I live in the greater New Orleans area. Um, Went to college in Louisiana and Hammond at Southeastern University. I'm getting my MBA through LSU Shreveport, and I I work in education. I'm a full-time teacher. I got involved in politics kind of by accident. Uh, in November, I've always been interested in it and I'm always been like, oh, that guy's lying. He needs to tell the truth. Hey guys, stop lying. I've always been that guy to call people out for being fake. But in November, uh, this guy Sean Foyt from California threw this big old Let Us worship event in New Orleans and the city had a cow. The mayor got all upset. Uh, It was on the news. Nobody wanted to speak out against the mayor because the mayor basically attacked the event the let us worship event they had like two three thousand people show up in the same this event was at the same space as the black lives matter protest a monument destruction protest and nobody said anything about those gatherings but when we did the lettuce worship gathering which was a christian event uh, lauren daigle actually showed up and i think that's what really made the mayor mad because lauren daigle came by she showed up on a bicycle like with some friend of hers literally just like in the crowd, like, oh, hey, look, there's an event happening. I guess I'll stop by. And nobody wanted to speak on TV about it with the news people. And my friends spoke at the event. So I said, hey, let's go talk on TV and tell these guys we have rights too. And they, you know, can't just bully us around. And that's kind of where it started in November. Before that, I had just opened up a turning point chapter, um, an activism hub in my parish. Most of the country has counties, but Louisiana has uh, what we call a parish, which is Probably similar to a county, I don't know what a county is, because I've never lived in a county. I've always lived in a parish. Um, so ever since then, I have been rolling. I went to what was it the uh, the Student Action Summit, where I thought I was going to meet you, but you weren't able to go. No. I know it was it was it was fun. you know, I got involved in that, spoke on um, what was it, the Epic Times about some things. just went to CPAC, I was on NBC. Uh, and the only thing they put of me was like, yeah, I like Trump. I'll vote for him again. And people at my work saw that and oh, you're a Trump supporter. I'm like, well, I guess the cat's out the bag. Now you know it's not like it's you know no big deal. Um, so I've been I've been running and gunning, just speaking out, being an outspoken conservative, winning friends, losing friends, um, just trying to get my MBA, hustling, entrepreneur, doing that, trying to work myself out of education uh, because it's a pretty liberal environment. It's a, you know, it's a government sponsored job. I really don't know if I want that for a long time. So that's, that's me. That's where I'm at.
0: I love it. That's great. And what I really like about you, Jonathan, is that when we connected and you had me on your podcast, Logic and Common Sense, which is a super great experience, you always just struck me as a guy who was just who he was unapologetically. He didn't care what people thought about him, what they said. You were just you. And that was something that I learned from you, and it always admired you for, and that's why I wanted to have you on this show. But I'm also curious, had you always been that way? You know, I, I know you said you got into politics accidentally, but you know, did you come from a conservative background? Was it just learning about it yourself? or how did you how did you get to be that strong?
1: So that that actually comes from my Christian faith, just being bold as a lion and not really caring. Um, about opinion, mostly caring about principle and truth. Obviously, truth is kind of, you can't really dispute facts. And so when people don't like it, all you can do is present it and it is what it is. If people don't take truth, well, they got something wrong with them. I mean, if I'm telling you the sky is blue and you look up and the sky is blue, but you're trying to tell me it's red, I'm not the one with the problem. You're the person with the problem. So at that point, there's nothing I can do for you. Um, So I grew up definitely in, say, a more conservative household, not like a political household at all, uh, but very what what you would call a standard conservative mom and dad, traditional family, brother and sister, dad works a blue-collar job, mom helps dad kind of thing. And that's how I grew up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, what's been – exciting to see for me on this show is that a lot of people think that young conservatives grew up in these households where, you know, Republicanism was just shoved down their throats and it was all they could believe. And if they didn't, you know, follow that, then they were, you know, the bad guy in their family. And really through these stories, it's anything but. They were raised in households just with morals and and values. Morals. I think that that is the truest, you know, truest truth that we can get out there is, and it's so inspiring to see and to hear that story so obviously you've had your fair share in the education system now not only teaching but also a student yourself so tell me a little bit about your experience as being a conservative in two different college settings
1: right so my first college my undergraduate at southeastern I, I thought it was pretty good I wasn't like this big old conservative nut job person running around <laughs> with t shirts and flags and stuff or hats like this. I didn't have something like this back then. Um, but I was always outspoken about my faith. And then I did music too. I was a performer. I perform at events with my band and, and we, I would sing and do all that. So I was always like out there in front of people, like pushing my values and, and what I believed um, in a way that wasn't like invasive. So I was always doing that. And I had a great college experience. But I also attribute that to the university I attended is what you would consider a commuter college. So typically, at a commuter college, the people who are going there have jobs. Maybe they have kids, families, whatever. So they go to school, and they go back home, and they live their life. It's not like these universities where everybody lives on campus. They might not have a life outside of school. They have no responsibilities. It's a different clientele. So these these are like more blue collar type people. Um, and it was also in a it's in a rural area. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It just it seemed like a wholesome college. And it's not that there weren't, let's say, liberal people or um, Democrat type people. I know they were there and I, I'm I'm sure they existed. But it wasn't like the the horror stories you hear Uh, from in California and at the Ivy League schools. It's almost like this was the common people's school, at least in my opinion.
0: Right. And you could probably have conversations with the other side without, you know, getting death threats or harassed or anything. And I think that's what we're trying to do, right? We're just trying to bridge the gap between these two starkly different, you know, belief systems. Also
1: think of this, before Donald Trump was on the scene, people were not as militant. And that's the word I want to use. They were not as militant as they are today. Like you had some really extreme left people and some far right people. But the type of clashes and conflicts we see today, that wasn't happening until Donald Trump came on the scene. It was like he came, can of worms opened, cats came out the bag. It was raining um, fish. Pigs were flying. I mean, it got <laughs> weird. so that also you got to consider that wasn't happening when I was in college. At least undergrad.
0: Right. So why do, what changed? Why do you think that did happen with his presidency?
1: That man brought out the best and the worst in people because he he brought. See, that's what truth. Truth is amazing. Truth will bring out everything good and everything bad. Truth is like light. And when you bring light on the scene, it gets rid of all the darkness. And, you know, stuff that's in darkness does not like that vampires do not like when the sun comes out. Politicians don't like when their dirty laundry comes out. And he was exposing everybody. They didn't have any dirt on him. They could not extort President Donald Trump like they could other people, and they still do with other people. And it really just got nasty because he was doing his thing and just being honest with the truth. And some people just can't handle the truth. That that's that's what I think happened. He just brought just truth to the scene and all hell broke loose.
0: Absolutely. He shook it up just enough to to bring that that sunlight in like you said. It's
1: about bringing some honesty.
0: Mhm. Absolutely. And now that we've lost him you know, in the executive branch, we all are facing some new battles and challenges, especially in the education world, which we were kind of talking about before we started getting going here. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the things that you've experienced in your workplace that you want to see changed?
1: So right now, because of the COVID pandemic, plandemic, real-demic, fake-demic, whatever you want to call it... (laughs) um, what I'm seeing now, keep this in mind. Some states, their schools are closed, right? They right. say nobody's going to school. It's too dangerous. The teachers like don't want to risk their lives. And you so, work in an in-person school. Yeah. So when I hear that, I'm like, you people are so full of it. I've been working at an in-person school since um, September of last year. So this whole school session, they pushed back the start date, but- We've been in person. Now, there's a few things, of course, that are different. Everybody has to wear a mask. Um, social distancing is impossible in the schools. They'll tell you on paper that people are social distancing. They'll tell you and stuff they read. But that's far from the truth. The kids, when they're in the hallway, they're, they're bunched up next to each other. Um, I have kids. They hit my shoulder when they walk past me. I mean, that's how it's the high school. So I've been in school. But everybody's wearing a mask, right? Eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. How can you communicate effectively or, or um, understand somebody if there's no facial expressions going on? Kids are not getting the type of communication needs like met. Their social needs have really suffered. Where I'm at, and again, we're in school. A lot of places aren't. We got kids going to the hospital for anxiety attacks. We got kids checking into psych wards. Um, we got kids passing out. We got kids on meds for depression. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, if you talk with the counselors, they've never seen anything like this. Uh, I've had to report a few different students that I thought were going through something unusually difficult. Um, there's certain things that may be normal for a teenager. And then some things that you see and you're just like, there's something seriously wrong and we got to go investigate and see what's going on. I've had to do that this year. I've never had to do that before. And um, I talk with coworkers, people that I work with, other teachers. It's in their classrooms, too. It's not just the students I see. So it's all across the board. I can't even imagine kids that get no social interaction because they're on lockdown. They can't go to school. So if the, if the kids at my school that, yeah, we're not having any high school dances, everything's just weird with the masks and uh, we can't have a lot of people in one place. Like, let's say they do, they want to do a a game, a sporting event or um, some kind of gathering. They can't do it like we used to. If these kids are affected, just imagine the ones that aren't in school and what they're going through. I mean, you hear the kids in California, they have signs. They're like, we don't want to become zoom zombies. Let us go to school. Let us go to school. Uh, It's really, it's really sad. And then what's really funny is somehow this, the BLM people, find their way into all this to make everything racist. When we were trying to open up in September, they had some activist person say that by opening the school, it was racist and and white privilege. Uh, when in fact opening the schools is for all kids and we have a mixed community so i don't i don't understand what they're talking what about
0: what was their explanation for that How was that racist just by wanting to open the doors
1: that's the, the same explanation they have for saying dr seuss is racist they're yeah, they're they don't have one yeah there is no there is no real fact or truth behind it they just say it so it's a weird it's a weird environment right now it's weird it's sad um and I, I see a lot of sad faces every day. I mean, look, the faces are covered, but look, I mean, look at my eyes, right? It's right. like sad and then like, like happy eyes. It's a, there's a difference. I see a lot of sad cheeks, a lot of sad eyes. Absolutely.
0: And it's, like, it's,
1: a tough, it's a tough place to be, even for me, because it, it gets depressed. You're around a bunch of depressed people, you get depressed. Right. So it's, it's tough to stay optimistic and to stay joyful and to stay happy all the time when you're around all these kids that are just so down.
0: Yeah. And do you think it has to do with having being, you know, distanced and isolated for so long? Is it having to wear the mask eight hours a day? I mean, I'm sure there's many contributing factors, but as someone who's in the classroom experiencing it, you know, what what is it that's taking such a mental toll on them?
1: It's definitely a combo, right? Because there's no events happening in Louisiana, like we're a city, well, New Orleans is a city that has festivals and events all the time, right? They canceled Mardi Gras. Like, I don't know how many millions of people come to Louisiana for Mardi Gras. I don't celebrate Mardi Gras. I don't go to the city and do all that, but a lot of people do. And then there's there's parades and events that everybody participates in. The marching bands go, uh, and kids have a great time. They didn't have that. They didn't have anything. They 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 have to practice with Matt, like the dance team has to practice with a mask on. Um it's, it's a combination of factors. I remember sporting coaches saying, you can't go hang out with your friends and we don't want you attending any kind of gatherings because if you get COVID, then the whole team has to quarantine. Oh, so check this out. If you sit next to somebody with COVID, you have to get quarantined for seven to 14 days or whatever.
0: That's what they're doing here too. I have a younger brother that's in high school and he's got sent home twice to quarantine for however long they have to. simply so, when, you know, in their class had it.
1: Imagine this, right? You got one kid who's, every time he comes back from quarantine, they quarantine is behind again and he's never had COVID. So this kid loses it. He's like, I can't take it anymore. And that's a lot of, kids right now because they're coming back to school and every time they come back they're like why the hell are you quarantining me like what did i do i just want to be in school and so what happens is their motivation's gone they're like well i'm not even going to go to school uh absences aren't being reported properly truancy which is uh, usually i guess a criminal offense is not being reported because all these sick days are being counted as covid days Um, And the schools are getting federal money. I don't know what's going on with the money. I'm not their accountant. I don't want to speculate nothing and be wrong. But they got a lot of kids that are absent, not because of COVID, not because of sickness, simply because they're skipping school, because they are just not happy. We started off with close to 2,000 kids on the uh, enrollment. Now we're uh, right at 1,400. So what happened to those 600 students? Does anybody know? Like, like, can anybody answer that? I don't know what happened to 600. I got kids that I had and then they're just gone. I'm like, what the heck is going Where'd they go? <laughs> Nothing, like, we don't know. So right. th- there's a big problem going on. There's a big, big problem. That's education. So, yeah. It's, they're not learning either, by the way. It's like, there's no learning. They're not, they're not getting any quality learning.
0: Do you notice a little bit of a difference for the kids, I mean, in at least the structure of the classroom for the kids that actually are attending in person as opposed to the kids that are stuck online?
1: Yeah. So the kids that are just get lucky and never get quarantined, right? They're doing fine uh, academically. They might be a little motivated. One thing that's a a legit issue is kids across the board are just not doing assignments. They might, might have something to turn in. You'll have 40, 50% of the class not turn the assignment, like not even attempt it. Just like, oh, uh, I just forgot to do it. It's normal to have a couple kids just be lazy and forget. What's not normal is when a large percentage of your students just don't do anything and don't turn in anything. That is not normal. That is a lack of motivation right there. Zero motivation. So and I'm I've talked to parents, uh, I get emails, you know, they're like, my kid is suffering at home, he's like breaking down or she's breaking down. I'm just like, like, what is going on? And which explains why they're not doing any of their work because they're all messed up in the head right now.
0: Yeah, it's scary. It's really, really scary to think that the pandemic would lead to this in the education system. So for any parents out there that have kids who aren't back in person yet, or even their kids are in person, but they're still, you know, they're still struggling and the parents feel like their hands are tied, you know, that they feel it's up to just legislatures or politicians. What would be your advice for them to try to institute some change that we, the people can do?
1: Yeah. So I'm not even a parent, right. And I've spoken at a school board meeting. I'm like, these masks ain't working because the kids. at lunch you can't eat with a mask on that's just stupid like what do you shove it in your your mask (laughs) you take their masks off and they all hang out and they're spitting on each other because they're just talking and cracking jokes and whatever um nobody's getting sick and dying it's not happening so i told the school board the masks don't work it's a joke i mean just look at lunch at any school you got so what i recommend is with these parents they don't a lot of people in positions of authority have no idea how much power they have. Your local government has a lot more power than I think they even know. I just met the mayor of one of our local cities. This guy doesn't have a clue how much power he has. Somebody's obviously like helped him get elected and I'm just like I'm like, "Sir, do you realize how much influence and power you could have? Like you you have it as your position. You're not using it and nobody's like pushing him to to use any of it to help better the community at all." So even with these school boards, they have a lot of power. They could vote and, and say, well, we're going to do it this way. Like the school, what was it? I think in Texas, there's a school board that said, yeah, the masks are going to be optional. Hello. The school board did that. So our school boards could do the same thing. The parents just need to show up and stop uh, complaining about it on Facebook and go do something. Uh, to be quite honest, a lot of these parents just scared of offending people well we are beyond that we are beyond being scared to offend people I mean you got you got adults trying to talk to children and tell them hey you're not a boy anymore you're actually a girl even though you have male genitalia you're a, you're a girl we're beyond offending people we just, y'all just need to speak up that's where we at
0: absolutely can you go into a little bit more of that for me that that bill or whatever is that just a Louisiana thing, or is it nationwide? So, or?
1: Louisiana's not having any issues with that right now, but some states are trying to push curriculum to kids as young as in kindergarten. Okay, where they have um, pictures, images. So think Dr. Seuss style, right? It's a cartoon. It's kid friend. Well, Dr. Seuss is kid friendly. The stuff that they're making yeah. is like some kinky. You, you thought Fifty Shades of Grey was kinky? This is like. 79 shades of gray plus a whole lot of darkness and so this is um they're, they're trying to tell kids to be more diverse in their sexuality what the flip does an adult what business does some adult have talking to a you know a kindergartner about sexuality what a freaking pervert and let me say that again if you're an adult and you're thinking about trying to tell a child um to change their sexuality or, or influence them in that, that decision process, you're a pervert. It's not unusual for a little boy to put on his mom's heels and walk around the house. What is unusual is for you to say because that kid did that, he's actually a female. That's unusual. That's, that's unusual. So you got some schools pushing curriculums like sex ed for little kids where they talk about it's okay to be trans and Queer and all these, like, there's so many different what are these pronouns at this point? Um, choose your gender. Why are you giving kids a choice and in influencing this, making it sound normal to them when in their own homes they have a whole different upbringing? Their parents are not on board with this. Uh, just what I saw recently, ACT gave out a form, and in my state, again, there's no curriculum approved and nothing that says there's more than two genders. ACT came out and had all the kids in the state of Louisiana take the ACT and they gave them the choice male, female, uh, other gender, or um, what is it where you like discreet? like you don't want to, oh man, what is, yeah. choose not to identify, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, these people are, are in a subtle way influencing children by saying, no, it is normal. Yeah, you can choose your gender. And then they let them. They let them fill it out on the paper, so they're normalizing it to kids where it shouldn't be. They're influencing kids with this and making it normal for them, even when their parents are not on board with this type of thing. And it's sick. It, it's it's twisted. So that's happening in the schools all over the country. In some places, it's more severe. You got drag queen story time. Well, if I'm a little, if I'm a little kid, I don't have a thinking process. I don't comprehend things. I I don't have decision making like. I just know hot, fire, burn, pain. Like, that's it. <laughs> they got these They got these drag queens, which is men dressed up as women, doing story time with little children uh, and, and telling them, like, how to be a drag star or whatever and, and how to be queer. I'm like, what the heck? If the kid wants to be queer, why don't you wait till that kid's, like, 18, 17, 18, let that kid make that decision. But don't try to force it upon some five and six-year-old. I mean, it's disgusting. These people are are perverted. And, And to be quite honest, that is the beginning stages of grooming. If you know anything about sexual predators, they just start suggesting things early on, making a few comments over time. They normalize something and then they just, they pounce. So what I see happening is like a national grooming uh, initiative on behalf of uh, what the international pedophile society or something like I, I don't know who these people are they're just they're sick
0: it is it is and and those are tough conversations that people want to avoid having but need to be having especially you know as as parents that are responsible for those five six-year-old to realize you know what's happening in those schools and It's scary. It's a scary place that we're at, but I'm glad we have, you know, people like you in the game to kind of call some attention to it and rally around it. So absolutely. So what's next for you? What's on the horizon? What's your next goal?
1: Ah, it's a good one. That's a good one. (laughs) All of us young people, I feel like we're in very similar situations where we're like, what's next? What are you, what are we going to do next? Uh, Of course I do always I don't plan on being in education forever. That's not my end goal, right? I'm not trying to retire in education. I have very big ambitions. I'm getting my MBA uh, right now. I'm doing like digital media and marketing stuff. I just partnered up with somebody else who does that as well. And I'm trying to work myself out of my job and continue just being an outspoken conservative um, an outspoken Christian where I just I just want to expose darkness and speak truth. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? It's uh, yeah, nothing's wrong with that at all. So that's that's kind of that's my next step is to tra- eventually transition out of my job into being more the entrepreneur, making money, doing other things, because I, I always feel like at any point I'm somebody's going to get offended and I get fired um, or I find myself. If I was as lucky as you are to find myself in a situation like you where you get wrongfully fired and then get to sue them and have the support of a whole country and people from all over the place. Uh, if only I was that lucky. I, I don't think that'll happen. I hope not. But I always have that in the back of my head. So um, I think the, my next move is to become like more independent and not having to rely on other people as a source for my income and, and just to support me.
0: Yeah. To work on that American dream to prove it's still.
1: That's that's right. It's not racist. It's not not racist. racist. The American dream is not racist. I want it too.
0: Exactly. It is built for people to succeed at it. That's, that's the whole point. And, you know, when we even talk, or Charlie talked about this on, on his show and stuff that even people like Oprah who have lived out the full experience and extent of the American dream, and know that it's not racist then go on to television or whatever and talk about how racist and messed up it is Man, and
1: if-, if only i was as privileged as oprah
0: <laughs> right I mean, that would imagine be- that just <laughs> God, I wish and I then could- talk about how bad Wait, they have
1: oppressed it is, if i was as oppressed yes. as oprah that's that's what i meant to say <laughs> if i'm the privileged one she's the oppressed one
0: yeah we we don't know what that's the like logic
1: is backwards. That's backwards.
0: It is. So for people that are listening and, you know, also like to work on spreading some truth and some sunshine into these, these situations might be a little bit scared to start doing that. What would your advice be for them?
1: It is scary. And you're going to lose all kinds of people and it doesn't feel good at all. In fact, it feels terrible. Um, I remember I was just breaking into what I thought was some friend circles, right? All of a sudden I get on TV and I say some truth I lose a whole bunch of people I thought were friends. I got alienated from circles I was in. Um I wasn't allowed to do things I used to do uh, with certain organizations. I said, "Are you serious? I'm out here like speaking up on things that allow you to do what you do, like your first amendment, and you guys are y'all want to just like alienate yourself from me because you think what I said may offend some people." like, well, yeah, it will offend some people. And you know what they say offends us and it offends me. But, but are you, what are you going to do? Just sit back and be silent forever. We are beyond getting offended. Okay. They got people, look what happened to you. You got fired from your job for sharing a tweet that you didn't even, um or the story, you didn't even write the story. Mm-hmm. It was a real news organization uh, that does all their research and gets their facts. So Yeah. We're beyond the point of being offended when they're trying to bring some like evil crap into your house and into your life and tell you, you can't work like you used to work. You can't say what you, what you want to say. Um, you being white is a crime. Uh, you're racist for no reason other than, uh, you're just from a particular region or you have a mom and dad and that makes you racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are way beyond the point of being offended. Like there's no other option uh, but to speak out. Do you speak out in anger? No, you you can still speak out in love and, and do it in a way that's respectful. Uh, but man, you just, you count the cost and be ready to pay a price. That's all I got to say. If you, if you can't, um, Take the heat. Don't even, don't even like go by the kitchen door. <laughs> like don't even, it, some people say, can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. No, like if yeah. you're not ready for the heat, like don't even, don't even go by the, don't even touch the handle. Just like stay away. Because if you're going to go in and flake, what good is that going to do? Absolutely. What is that going to do? It's too many flakes.
0: Yeah, you have to be strong. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, obviously, that's what I learned going through my experience was the strength that it took, but yeah. also realizing how many people are doing the same thing that I did and still am doing. And that's what made such amazing connections like the one we have now. And yeah. it's, it's worth it. You get warriors in there with you, but it's a fight for sure.
1: Yeah, and I I would say the same thing. Yes, I lost people that I thought were friends and I was kind of looking forward to building like a deeper bond with, uh, but I gained some seriously awesome friends along the way. So the people that were not really friends disappeared and bailed. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. They got some other warriors. They got some other truth seekers out there, uh, some people of integrity. And we linked up and we've become friends. And like, you know, I got to meet you, which is great. I've I've met some people from all over the country. met some people from my state. And uh, it's it's been good. It's been really good. It's not easy. It's not like the funnest thing, losing people. But uh, in life, we suffer loss. We do. It's a part of life. Got to just get used to it and get over it.
0: Yeah. And one thing that keeps me going, you know, when you see that happen or happens to you is that God never takes without giving something greater back. And so, you know, when that happened to me, I was like, OK, this is something greater is going to come out of this, you know, because that's the way of the world. And we
1: keep marching forward. Yeah. and <laughs> I mean, and this is this goes for the Christian people. Right. So if, if you believe you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible, uh, you have no choice but to believe that your footsteps are ordered by the Lord if your footsteps are ordered by the Lord, he's obviously directing your path. And when things happen and you have to make these light or dark decisions, do I pick light or do I pick darkness? And you pick light. Obviously there's going to be some sort of blessing later down the road. If not immediately, uh, it's going to come later. Uh, Hold on to that thought of like, is it really going to get better? You know, that's hard to do in the moment sometimes, but um, I wouldn't I don't regret getting on TV the couple times I did. I don't regret doing any of the interviews I did. I don't regret saying anything that I said. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I've met a lot of great people. I think I've made some killer connections uh, that are going to be around for a long time. So, yeah, I think. If God gives you a David opportunity to just destroy Goliath when nobody else will and everybody else is just peeing in their drawers and it's just dripping down their leg because they're scared and you get to be the one person to speak up, you better do it, okay? You better do it. You better take advantage of that opportunity um, while you can.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, from the words of Turning Point USA, you have to have that warrior spirit. You have to go for it yeah back down so thank you jonathan for coming on it was super great to chat with you and hear your story a little bit more than i've gotten the opportunity to so i appreciate it and for all of our listeners be sure to go follow his podcast at logic in common sense is that right
1: yep and just twitter's dead yes get on our (laughs) podcast
0: everybody go get a parlor get a drink with some friends talk politics and seek the truth (laughs) Enjoy this episode of Raised Right? Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to catch the next episode. And be sure to like and follow us on Instagram at Raised Right Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Raised Right Pod.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.